morning, everyone. Um, my name's Peter. Um, this morning, we're going to continue in our series in Second uh, Timothy, chapter 2. So if you'd like to turn your Bibles to Second uh, Timothy, chapter 2, uh, that would be great. And welcome, Transition. Have fun. <laughs> um, this series has been entitled, Your Turn. And uh, the reason it's called that is the backdrop to this letter is that we've got Paul coming to the end of his life. And there is this sense that he is passing on to Timothy and ultimately to us the things that now he sees as important. Uh, It's a wonderful thing when you think about it that it's been passed on and on and on and on and on and here it is, landed here in Community Church, Warrigal today. It's amazing, I think, to think of that. Um, Last week, Danny began the series in chapter 1 and he encouraged us to remember this phrase or hope that we'd remember this. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Now this is part of the text in chapter 1. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. It's important to remember, and Danny made this point, that we shouldn't limit this to a spiritual gift. This is the, uh, the full and comprehensive gift of God in us. It is salvation. It is eternal life. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that is transforming us daily to be more and more Christ-like. It is, this is what we are talking about, or Paul is talking about when he talks about this gift. And he wants Timothy to fan it into, into a flame. Um, it's some of the words Danny used really challenge me, you know, like it's it's giving it oxygen, you know, make it so it becomes white hot. You know, some powerful imagery there. You know, this week, and we've prayed about it, and also uh, Danny's mentioned what's happening at Labatouche. This week, we've remembered Black Saturday, and we've seen images of the devastation. And we've recalled the tragic loss that happened 10 years ago. You know, it's amazing what a single spark, when it's fanned into a flame, what it can do. You know, the ferocity and the... uh, It's it's terrifying, actually, when you look at it that way. And for us as Aussies, and there are other parts in the world that also suffer from the phenomenon of bushfires or fires like this, it is a fairly negative picture. But for a moment, put that aside and think of the flame of God in your life being fanned into... uh, Sorry, this spark being fanned into this amazing flame and think of the way it can move across nations and generations. And it's, it's an amazing picture to keep in mind. You know, the gift, when fanned into flame, takes this form in particular. And this is one of the things that Danny was, wanted to really stress, is that when it is fanned into flame, we are not ashamed to speak of Jesus. When it's fanned into flame, we are not afraid to face hardship and difficulties Um, this is and the reason for this is because the spirit that God has put in us is not one of fear or timidity but it is one 
of power, of love, of self-discipline. And so Paul then goes on to use an example of his own life that he's not ashamed. Why? Because he knew the one he believed in. He actually knew Jesus. He knew God in his life. And so he encourages Timothy to hold on to a pattern of sound teaching. But the way to hold on to that is with this relationship, having faith and a love for Jesus Christ. So, but, so this week, we want to build on that. And we want to pick up this phrase, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. This is, um, again, in the text. Of, this is in chapter 2. If we go to verse 1 of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says this, You then, my son, and he's talking about his spiritual son, <laughs> be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. As we read this chapter, what we find is one of the standout features is how much Paul focuses on how Timothy should be living his life. And so we get it here. Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, Timothy. Danny drew our attention, and I've actually included it in uh, the slide here, our attention last week to Paul's introduction to his letter. And that, that how in the beginning of each of his letters, he always used these similar words, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he, I love this because it actually pushes us back to the big picture. No matter what you're about to read, think of the big picture. No matter what, it's always about God's grace. It's about God's mercy, about his peace, because he is the source of those things. Always go back to the big picture. And it's one of the things that Paul does here in this book, in this chapter, and it's very, very powerful. The one of grace particularly is the one, it's the state in which we live in. We live in a state of grace. And so if we turn to John chapter 1, we get a number of references to grace, but one in particular we get from the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing from uh, blessing, one after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. There is blessing one after another because of this grace and truth that there is in Jesus Christ. If we go to Romans 5, and I've chosen this passage because I want you to see a contrast between the way Paul is writing in 2 Timothy compared to how we are used to Paul writing. When we go to Romans chapter 5, verse 15, it says, but the gift is not like the trespass. And what we find is that Paul's language is very technical and very directed towards doctrine and theology. And so when we talk trespass here, we're talking about the original sin. For if many died by the trespass of one man, that's the sin of Adam, how much more did God's grace, the gift that came by grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So Paul is saying to 
uh, Timothy, be strong in this grace. Be strong in it because it's got blessing after blessing. It overflows into our lives. Jesus is the source of our strength. Paul is nearing the end of his life. But it's important to remember that the faith and the church is growing. It's not dying. And we know this as we read through the letters that we have the privilege to have here today, that we see evidence of this, that the church that began in the early chapters of Acts and now is actually and actually Acts, but also pre-New Testament, before anyone had the New Testament. But now this church is actually showing signs of form and order. We know this because we, as we read the letters, that there's reading and teaching of Scripture, that there's communication going on about key theology, because there's already false teaching arising. We know too that there's... Um, Prayers been going around all over the place for, for one another, for churches and that. Uh, we know that there are hymns being uh, written and what they call creedal uh, statements, things that actually help communicate the Christian faith. And we see an example of this in this chapter. So if you look at verses 11 to 13 in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we read this, Here is a trustworthy saying, If you die with him, you'll live with him. If you endure with him, you'll reign with him. If you disown him, he honours that and disowns you. If you are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot disown who he is. So these, these types of sayings started to emerge to help keep people on track, to keep them aware of this faith, is how it was growing and developing. But the question we need to ask as we look at this chapter, but what matters to Paul at this point in his life? What is it that he wants to communicate to Timothy? And what we see is what Paul wants to see in Timothy's life and to us today, he would be saying the thing, I want to see character. I want to see character that displays that this uh, gift of God that is in you has been fanned into a flame. I want to see genuine Christian character. See, Paul is not now concerned about the system, the forms. What he's concerned about is the person. So he puts on his pastoral hat. And often the books of First Timothy, the letters, sorry, First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus are called the pastoral epistles because we see such a shift in the way Paul is actually talking and sharing things uh, with us. And a, and, and a good question to ask ourselves is where is the gift? Where is the gift, guys? Can someone answer me? Where is the gift? There's this total look of stunness and shock over here. <laughs> this could be a new reference gallery. <laughs> Where is the gift? 
Yeah, it's in you. It's in here. It's not in the systems, the forms, all the stuff that was being put together. It's in you. It's important to remember this. <clears throat> so what we find in this chapter is an abundance of acts or actions that Paul is current encouraging Timothy to do. And to get an appreciation of the sheer weight of it, I've put a bit of a summary together of them. And I'm just going to quickly go through them. Verse 2, And the, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach. So he's calling uh, Timothy to entrust. He has to take the things that he's heard, put them together and actually deposit them, put them in other people's lives. Verse 3, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ. And we'll come back to that one in a moment. Verse 7, reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight to all this. So don't just sit around and just let these words float around, Timothy. Reflect on them and then ask God, what does this actually mean? It's a real engagement of this relationship with this gift that is within us. Verse 7, oh, sorry, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, Timothy, raised from the dead, descended from David. Verse 14, Keep reminding them of these things. And Paul's talking about the, the first 13 verses that he's just uh, said to Timothy. And warn them before God against quarreling. Verse 15, do your best, which is our theme for today. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Verse 16, avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Verse 19, everyone who confesses the name of Jesus as Lord must, there's no option here, must turn from wickedness. Verse 22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with all those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Verse 23, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. I can't believe the word stupid's in the Bible. It's, yeah, but it's there. Because you know they produce quarrels. Verse 24, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resent, uh, resentful. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Where do I start when I have a look at this list? This is only 26 verses. And most of them have something for Timothy to do. It's just amazing and challenging. It's clear that Paul is looking for character. He is looking for evidence of the gift being fanned into flame in Timothy's life. So just for a few minutes, I just want to look at three of these. And so for all of us, one thing I do want you to remember, and for you guys over here, the first one is to remember grace. Remember the big picture of grace. That that's what we're a part of. The second thing is endure. 
suffering or endure hardship. Let's pick it up at verse 3. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. In other translations it says, come join us. And join us in hardship. Yay! Who wants to do that? No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. He gives three pictures here. Second one, similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not uh, receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. And then verse 6, the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Verse 7, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. And I would encourage you to go home and do that and have a think about those three pictures, examples, and come to an understanding before God what does hardship mean to you. I find this is a a really fresh look at what hardship is. Or suffering is the other word it uses there sometimes. Normally we associate hardship with hard done by or someone's hit difficult times like they're sick or financial or something like that. Or if we use the word suffering, we think of things like opposition or persecution. Um, But Paul has framed this in a different way. One thing to remember is each of these examples, the person themselves steps into that hardship. It is a choice. It's not something that's thrust upon them. And each role carries with it a degree of hardship. Uh, With the soldier, they have to renounce or put aside civilian life. You know, and as Christians, it's like that for us. We step into this life of God's life. I'll have a drink. Sorry. Uh, which one was mine, Pete? <laughs> it's okay, they're both Pete's. <clears throat> That's mine. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, that there's a hardship in that he has to step out of civilian life. Has to put aside those things. And become completely devoted to his commander and the role that he has been given. That's the hardship. The the athlete can only compete if they compete according to the rules. And the rules don't only apply to the events. They apply for how they prepare. You can't use drugs in my preparation. That's the hardship. I have to be committed to the rules. And the farmer, it's interesting. I don't know if you would find anywhere else when the word farmer is used that the word working hard or hard-working farmer is the pretext. And when we look around in this, our community, how many broken farmers' bodies do we see? Yeah. It's hard work. It's hard work. Have you ever thought of hardship and suffering in these ways? It's a choice. You step into it. 
And Paul is asking Timothy to join them as soldiers. And the question for us all is, have we enlisted in this? Are we prepared to be completely devoted to our commander, to preparing for the competition, preparing for the work, but also then doing the work, competing in it? Are we prepared to work hard? This is the hardship he's talking about. And Paul gives an example of this if you go down to verse 20 and 21. And we read this, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for innoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument of noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do good works. What are we cleansing out of our life today? What are we... That's the hardship. What am I going to do without today that makes me a noble instrument? Something that is prepared, ready to do good works. That's the hardship. The second thing I would like you to think about, and we'll pick this up in verse 8, is what is your gospel Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead and descended from David. This is my gospel. Paul makes it very personal here. This is my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. And it goes on, verse 9, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. What is our gospel? Paul's finishing his race. The faith, the church is growing, developing. He has a lifetime of stories and experiences and he just says, my gospel is this. Remember Jesus, he died, he was a senator of David. I clearly remember sitting on my couch at home, talking to another Pete, <laughs> and he said, you're not a Christian, not a follower of Jesus then, I, thought, I think he could be now actually, but he said to me, Pete, what is it you believe? And I waffled on for ages. How many times have I sat down and thought, Oh God, I wish I could have that conversation again. And then I would simply say to him, Pete, remember Jesus. He died. He was a descendant of David. I remember uh, about a year or so ago standing with two friends, not followers of Jesus. And I become aware that so much of my conversation was about church governance and church leadership and all the stuff that was going on in church at that level. And I just stood at them and I said, stop for a minute. I want you to know it's about Jesus. It was in my lunchroom at work. I want you to know it is about Jesus, not about any of that other stuff. What is your gospel? What is it the story that you are telling? And do we suffer for it? 
Paul quite clearly did. And I would challenge you to take this understanding of hardship and suffering that we've just talked about in earlier and apply this to your life. Don't think of it only in terms of being crucified or persecuted. How am I working hard for this uh, gospel that I believe in like Paul did? Am I devoted to it? Am I prepared to you know, compete according to the rules? <clears throat> the other thing that's very important here to remember is Paul puts this little, throws in this little line that the word of God cannot be changed. And the way that I take this is, doesn't matter your circumstances it doesn't matter where you are you can still go i remember jesus jesus died and he died for me it doesn't matter where you are and the reason that we endure is that others may know that the message may pass on and on and on and on and that they will know salvation and eternal glory. Have you thought about your gospel? What is yours? Do you know that, if, that your life is helping others obtain salvation through Jesus? And finally, <clears throat> remember this a workman or a person approved by God. From verses 14 through to 26, the background is that there's, there is an issue of uh, false teaching that Paul mentions but doesn't go into great detail. We know that uh, Humanus and Philitus were actually started talking about the resurrection, how it had happened. But what Paul brings to mind is more about what a person who is approved is like and what a person who is not approved is like. And importantly in here, Paul identifies a very important point. It's not what you and I say about who is a Christian or a follower. It's actually in verse 19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, He knows those who are His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from, a, from wickedness. So <clears throat> in the middle of this, te- this, this little text you get, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. You know, a workman that is not approved, their character, this is what this text tells us. <clears throat> They ruin lives. They ruin those who listen to them. They destroy faith in people. They become more and more ungodly. And their teaching, rather than spread like a fire, it spreads like a disease. Terrible and says flesh eating disease. It's a terrible, terrible thing. The contrast, a workman approved their character. We find here that they pursue righteousness, faith, love, and along with and they do this along with those who call upon the Lord with pure hearts. 
And a simple way to look at this, I reckon, is this. There are people who are devoted to words and there are people who are devoted to the word. And there's a huge difference in those two. A huge difference. This is a picture of a project that is going on at our place that's been going on for some time. As a tradie background, I'm ashamed of what happened at this site. I'm not a workman that should be approved. (laughs) Um, But 18 years ago, Joe and I built a house and someone actually donated material to me to build a retaining wall along that fence. And, uh, but sadly, the material was pretty inferior and it actually had all rotted out. And so I've had to pull it out and start rebuilding this. <clears throat> what you can see in that picture is a string line. It's not this one. <laughs> um, and the reason there's a string line is, is to actually, so that I could concrete in new posts and that they run in line with each other. And so... I um, have started digging holes and then I thought, oh, I'll put some of the posts in. I had all the materials in. So I had the string line up. As you can see, in the background, there's potostrums that are growing up there. And um, I uh, started to put this post in, put two of them in. And I look down and there's my string line running down and I put my post down. And the string line does two things. It, it actually tells you the height it should be at, but also that it's in line with how, where you want it to run to and it, you can get your post square. So I did that. And I, left, I did two of them and I left it for nearly a month actually. And I went back to it a couple of weeks because I've had to do some other jobs at home. And um, I thought, oh, I looked down the string line and I thought, gee, those potosterums are growing. And I walked down the string line and to my shock and my horror, near the end where I had it secured, my little pitchfork had fallen over and leaned against the string line. And so I pulled the pitchfork off and thought, surely not. Walked up the other end and guess what? The posts, one of them was this far out, the next one was this far out, and they were this much too low. The hole there is the first one I got out with a jackhammer. I've still got to get the other one out because I don't want to leave it wrong. Why do I mention this? You know, we can be so concerned about the detail, the words. And when you're looking at the string line here, you can't tell whether it's in line or whether it's straight or whether there's something that's lent on there that's put me off course. And so we need to look down it. In our life, we need to look down always at Jesus. We've always got to fix our gaze on Jesus. Nothing else. Not these little points here. Fix our eyes on Jesus. And this is the characteristic of a person who fans into flame the gift, the gift that's within. And this series is, it's your turn. It's your turn to fan into flame the gift of God in you. Present yourself as one who is approved and shows the character of one. You know the big picture is grace. It's Jesus who's your source. 
nothing else. Two, enlist, endure hardship, be a soldier of Jesus. With a fresh understanding of what that is, it means that I need to be devoted to my commander. It means that I need to be preparing myself and then engaging and doing that according to the the principles that Jesus teaches us. And it's hard work. We have to be prepared to work hard. Three, we need to remember Jesus. It is Jesus that you believe in and know. It is in Jesus that we will continue to endure and share that simple gospel and that in doing that, others will come to know. If we do this, then we present ourselves to God as one approved, one that we should not be ashamed of, one that is actually correctly handling the word that is Jesus (laughs) of truth. I'd just like to finish by praying. Father, I thank you for these words that we can read this morning. But we thank you more importantly for the word, Jesus, who's in our lives, this gift that is in our life. We thank you for it. I pray, Lord, that the words that have been shared here this morning would not be like the pitchfork on the string line, that they would not cause people to deviate from the truth, deviate from knowing Jesus, that they would help lift our eyes and gaze towards him and that we would dig into this gift and know that we know you and we we thank you for this incredible truth and uh, we commit the rest of this series to you as we learn more and more about what is important, particularly as a man, Paul reflects on his life. We thank you for the richness that we gain from this, the great insights that we get from this. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.